Today we're going to continue on in our series, and I have to say I am pumped for this morning. I could not wait to get to this part. I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to rush worship because it was incredible. We have so much going on, so many good things to report. Man, this is what today is all about. Today is about a celebration this morning. Amen? We, have, we are concluding, as at the end of the sermon, we're going to be taking communion. And uh, if you're online watching, make sure uh, you can just go real quick to the kitchen, get some juice and some bread if you haven't already, and join us for communion. We're going to be breaking our fast at the end of this service. And, and I'm so excited, not just because as soon as church is out, I'm making a beeline to Dunkin' Donuts in the drive-thru, <laughs> get myself a donut. The fast is broken. Let me, this is insane, all right? So... Something else that we didn't have enough going on this week at the school, on Wednesday we had See You at the Pole, which is an annual event where students come to school early, we meet at the flagpole, and we pray for our country, for our school, for each other, and it's, it's a traditional thing that we do. And every year, because they, it starts at 7.30 in the morning, because they have to get here so early, we usually provide them with some donuts to come. And I asked Edie, I said, hey, you know, we have a guest band coming today for uh, Spiritual Awareness Week. Can we get some donuts for them too? She was like, yeah, absolutely, sure, no problem. So she hands me the dozen donuts when... Uh, when they get here that morning, and I bring them in, and listen, our guest band this week was like little punk 21, 22-year-old youngins, you know, like in great shape, you know, could eat 10 donuts, and it wouldn't bother them whatsoever, you know, that young metabolism, all that good stuff, and so I'm thinking they're going to devour these things. They were here at, you know, I think they were getting here at 7.30 in the morning, too, so I, I was really picturing they're scarfing these things down. Out of a band of like eight people and a dozen donuts, two donuts were gone, so there was 10 donuts left over. So after chapel was over and I had been doing some other things, I walk in and in my office on my table with the box open is 10 fresh glazed donuts just staring me in the face. You know, if you listen closely, you could have heard the devil just cackling. Like, <laughs> and then to make matters worse, on Friday, Ben, who we just saw the video of, he comes in. Friday just so happened to be the first day that Sanadi's was selling their pumpkin donuts. And he made a trip in. He got here a little after I did, about, you know, 7, 7, 15. And he's got not just a dozen pumpkin donuts, but they're hot. To the point where if you pick them up, they fall apart. He's like, hey, you want to die? I'm like, get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. I got 48 hours. You're not screwing up with me now. Never seen so many donuts on our campus in one week. My goodness gracious. It's about an hour and a half, baby. Hour and a half. But I'm pumped for today, not just because of that. I'm pumped because I believe that God is starting something here at Beaches Chapel. We are celebrating what God has done these last 21 days. But look, it ain't over. This is just the beginning. And if we go back to how we were three weeks ago, then I believe we failed. In our efforts for this fast and this prayer, we have failed. If everything we just do is just resort back to default. This is the beginning of something new, and that is what we're celebrating. Not the end of the fast, the beginning of what is to come. The beginning of what we've been praying for, the answered prayers. We are in a move, and as Valerie prayed, God's just waiting. He's waiting. Are we going to jump in? The river is flowing. We've got to get off the bank and get in the current and move with him, because the Spirit is moving. And there's an undercurrent going on, and we can feel it. There's a rumbling going on in the Holy Spirit. But y'all, we got to wake up. We got to jump in into this move of God because it is happening in Jesus' name. So today, as we celebrate what God's doing, come on with it. We're talking about the Lord is my banner. Yeah. Jehovah Nissi. 
Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. We're going to talk about what that means this morning. And listen, I'm excited. Y'all just going to have to jump in with me here because I'm not slowing down. Amen. We're going to read in Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8, the first place that we see Jehovah Nisi mentioned. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Okay, sports fans, you know exactly what this is like. Okay, if you are a diehard fan of a certain team, you know exactly what Moses is going through right now. Because if you are a diehard fan, you have been in that moment which pure stupidity where you're watching the game on your TV in your house and your team's doing bad, right? And then you get up and you leave the room and suddenly they start doing good. And then when you come back in the room, they're doing bad again. And you have that thought, I know it's happened to me, it's happened to anyone in here that's a diehard fan. I think I should leave the room again. I think that their play is determined by where I am at in the house. So I'm going to start watching from the kitchen, and then the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl. If you, if, listen, you're lying, I know. And if yes, if you're like, that's never happened to me. Well, sorry, you're not a diehard fan. You're not stupid enough to be a diehard fan because that's what we do. We're dumb, okay? And that is a lot of what this is like, except not like it at all at the same time. Moses realizes that when his hands are in the air with the staff, the Israelites are winning. When he drops it, they are losing. And like anyone else, he gets tired. So what do you do? Here's what you do. Verse 12. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result... Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. The result of Aaron and her coming beside Moses as he was tired, as he was weary, was victory. At Beaches Chapel, y'all, we are a family. This is a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus. We welcome everybody, and we are a family unit. And so as we have gone through this fast, and as we will continue to, our role is not just to believe and pray for the things that we want and need in our lives, but to come next to our brothers and sisters and hold up their arms so that as a result of that, there will be victory. As a result of that, us being a family, us linking arms, praying for one another, not just in a 21-day period, but from here on out, praying the same things over and over again, doing what we have to do until sunset, we will have victory. This is a move. This is a move. And then I love this. It says, as a permanent reminder, as a permanent reminder, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is your banner and he is our banner. 
as a permanent, everyone say permanent, permanent reminder that there is victory in Jesus Christ. It doesn't, it wasn't just for then. It is for now and it is for tomorrow. This is a permanent reminder. Do y'all understand that? It's something that we can always look to, always go to, always see and be reminded that God is our victor. Okay? And so that's what God was telling him after the victory. But you know what? The victory has already been won for us. The victory has already been won. And here's the thing. The point of a banner is to be seen. The point of a banner is to be seen. When you go to an arena, what do you see? You see the championship banners hung from the rafters. We're going to have championship banners hung from the impact center soon. All right? Why? To go, when you go and as a fan, you see these, you're reminded of those years that were amazing and it gets you all fired up again. One of my favorite times of the year is when you're driving down 3rd Street and on the street lights on the side, you start to see the Christmas decorations being hung to kind of announce that Christmas is coming. By the way, less than three months, if anyone's counting. Edie, talking to you. But I love that. When, when all of a sudden there, there's these things that start reminding us and that's what banners do. They announce, they commemorate, and they celebrate. And so as we're talking about the Lord is my banner, we are announcing the presence of God. And if you think about old, old armies and old military, they would, they would have these banners and they would take them into battle to, to show and to proclaim who they were fighting for, what country they were fighting for. They were announcing that to their enemy. But check this out. When we have the Lord as our banner and we go into battle, we're not announcing who we're fighting for. We're announcing who is fighting for us. And he is our banner. And we look at this banner to commemorate, which we're going to do with communion in just a little bit. The good things that God has done in our lives, the miracles that he's done, the miracle that he's, going to, that he's done, that brought the victory for us. And then we celebrate. We won't celebrate today. We're going to celebrate. After the victory, the victory has been won. And we need y'all to start celebrating the good things of God in our life and the good things that are going to come in our life and in this place. That is why he is our banner, to announce, to commemorate, and to celebrate God in every moment, in every situation. Amen? Amen. Psalms 20, starting in verse 1, says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. Check this out. Here we go. Verse 5. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. That is our fast. That is what we're coming out of. We've cried to him in our distress. We've brought our prayers to him. We've laid them at his feet. And now we're going to shout for joy. Now we're going to raise the victory banner. Now we're going to celebrate. Because it is coming, y'all. It is coming. This is not the end of something. It is the beginning of something great. Look, all we did these last 21 days, you know what we did? We formed a little snowball. And we were at the top of the mountain. And we just let it go. That's what's happening. And this snowball is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to gain more traction if we continue to make the Lord our banner. Every, not just on Sundays, but every single day, especially in our homes. 
especially in our homes, then we're going to see this snowball just grow and grow and grow and grow some more. This has been a time of preparation for us. I really pray and hope that some of y'all, including, and, and me too, have learned more about prayer in your life. I hope and believe that God has stretched us in how we pray and when we pray and what even prayer is because we're going to need it. We're going to need it going forward in this move that we are in. All right, shifting gears. Esther chapter 5, starting in verse 10, says this. So here, here's what's happening. I want, to, I want to kind of set this up a little bit because we're jumping into the middle of this story. Haman is the villain of the story of Esther, and he wants to commit genocide to all of the Jews in Persia. He wants to wipe them out completely. It's a long story why. We're not going to get to that. But Haman wants to do that, okay? But there's this guy, Mordecai, Esther's adopted dad, who won't bow down to him. Haman's second in command of all of Persia. It's a huge nation, 127 provinces. And Mordecai's like, nah, I'm not going to bow down to you. Sorry. And it just sticks in Haman's crawl. He just can't stand that this guy would not bow down to him. And this is, this is kind of jumping into the story. I want to make a specific point about this. This is why we're reading it. Starting in verse 10. It says, Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh his wife and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, And that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. What, ha what Haman is doing here is he's raising the banner of self. He's writing his name on a banner and he's putting it up real high. He's got all the power, all the money, all the fame that you could ever ask for, and it's not enough. And when we raise the banner of ourselves, is never enough. It's never enough, and it traps us, and it enslaves us. And we wonder why we, why we can't move forward, why we can't break out of whatever we're trying to break out of. And it's because every day, whether we say it out loud in our hearts, we're raising that banner. That's got my name on it. Look, everybody, look at me. Look at me. This is about me. And yeah, I go to church, and yeah, I know the songs, but really, it's all about me. And so I'm going to raise the banner for myself. And we're never, ever satisfied. If Haman couldn't overlook one little guy with everything that he had, we'll never have enough. If we continue to raise the banner of ourselves. So it goes on to say in verse 14, so Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested, set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall. And in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. So what was he going to do? He was going to kill Mordecai, but not just kill him. He was going to build a 75-foot pole seven and a half stories high and he was going to do that and he was going to impale him on it and why why it's so high so that everybody can see don't mess with me he was going to expose Mordecai you know what the devil tries to do to us he tries to impale us on a 75 foot pole and say look look at this failure 
Look at all the mistakes. Tries to expose us on this pole. Make us feel less of ourselves. If he's not going to kill us, he's going to embarrass us, humiliate us. All those things that we hide deep in our hearts that we don't want anyone to say, he's, he's trying his hardest to put those on a pole 75 feet high so everybody that walks by will see it. That's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to kill, steal, and rob from you. And he wants to do it in a way that everybody's going to see so that he can say, look what I did. Look at my power. Song of Solomon 2.4 says, you invite me into your banqueting table. Your banner over me is love. So as the devil tries to impale us on that pole, God comes in with his banner and he places it over us. He says, I love you. And you don't have to be afraid. This is not about your failures. This is not about your mistakes. This is not about you trying to be something you're not. I'm covering you with my banner, which is love for you. Not only that, but I've invited you in to sit at this table with me, to sup with me, to dine with me, because I love you. That pole's not for you. That pole's not for you. So the devil may try and put you on it over and over again. It's not for you. The Bible says that God's love covers a multitude of sins. That his mercies are new every morning for us. But we need to remember that as we lift the banner of the Lord, He's taking that same banner and he's covering us with his love every single day. It's not about being perfect. It's about trusting in him every single day. 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says this. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. This is King David, by the way. King. He led them to Bala of Judah, to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who was enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. For us, bass, drums, keys, electric guitars. Come on with it. Verse 13, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, here it is again, with shouts of joy and the blowing of the ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Skip down to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. He who chose me above your father and all his family, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. 
But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. I love this. Why is David dancing? Because God chose him. God chose him. The forgotten son left out in the fields, shepherd. God chose him to be king of Israel. And David's so humble, he can't even believe it. He starts dancing before the Lord. Let me tell you all something. He's chosen every single person in this room. He's chosen all of us, not to be a king, something far greater, to be his children. And he, our father, he has chosen us. And for that, we celebrate. We celebrate. It's an amazing thing. When Michael said to David, I can't believe you were doing that, he says, I was dancing before the Lord. What he's saying there is, look, I got an audience of one. I got an audience of one. I'm not caring about what everyone else is thinking. I don't care about the armies, the other governing officials. I certainly don't care about what you're thinking. My audience is the Lord because he chose me. No one else here did. God chose me. And so, yeah, I'm going to dance before him. But not only that, I'll be yet more vile. All right, I'll be yet more indignant. I'll be I'll, to the point where I'll humiliate myself because God is that good and he deserves that celebration because he chose us. And until we let that sink in, it's going to be hard. But we need to understand that it, he, he didn't choose us because of our own merit. David didn't go to King School 101. All right, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd and God said, you. And it's not about us memorizing all these scriptures and doing all these other things. He's saying, I chose you because I love you because my banner over you is love. And so now you can raise that banner as well for me and know that I'm always with you. That I'm always with you. We're going to have communion this morning. And you can, I know it's hard with these little cups to start opening them, so... You can get started on that as the band comes, but I want to read this to you all to, ch to show you how God has chosen us and why we truly celebrate. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 says this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body is laid, was laid. He chose us. The pole that the devil meant for us to be hung on and to be shamed changed the form of a cross. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's not for you. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it. I'm going to be exposed on the hill. All those things that you're ashamed of, that you're embarrassed of, 
the mess-ups that you have, the failures that you have that should put you on the pole, I got it because I chose you. And then on the third day, he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. After the victory, they raised the banner of the Lord. Listen, the victory was a long time ago. Do we choose to accept it? Do we choose to acknowledge it? Do we announce God? Do we commemorate his victory? And do we celebrate it? I say yes. I say yes. And if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've, if you've been trying to get off that pole yourself, that the devil meant for you, it's time to let Jesus take it. Because that's what he came for. He came to take it for you. And you can have that opportunity right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for those that are watching online and for those that are in this room right now to receive Jesus as we, as we take this communion. Then we're going to go and, and pray for our communion this morning. We're going to commemorate not just what Jesus did, but what he continues to do. So let's bow our heads. And if this is you, this morning, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my place. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, and to be Lord of my life. Thank you that your banner over me is love. Father, right now, we just thank you so much that we can talk about you being our banner and raising it like Moses and the Israelites did after the victory. God, because it's already been won. It's already been won. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to raise that banner in our hearts, Lord. Raise your banner with our words, Father, that we wouldn't speak words of defeat ever, Lord. We wouldn't allow the enemy to bring that banner down in our minds and in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for your body that was broken. God, it was, we talk about the victory, Lord, but it was a hard-fought battle. You felt every bit of it. And you submitted to it, God. So right now, Lord, we take this bread and we say thank you for your body that was broken so that you can be our banner. Let's take the bread. Father, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us that allows those mercies to be new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness over us, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your mercy, God, that washes us clean, Lord. All these things that we carry around, the things that we beat ourselves up over, we say, why do I keep doing this over and over, God? It's your blood that washes all those things away. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your blood poured out for us. And God, as we remember it, Lord, as we commemorate that, that day, we know, too, that it's not a one-time thing, that your blood washes us now. So we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for us. 
that when we come to you and say, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm sorry, forgive me. You make us clean. You don't allow us to go on that pole. Let's take the cup. And now let's stand up. You know, the thing about heavens, or about, about the Lord's banner, we talked about the gallows being 75 feet tall, and that's big, right? The Lord's banner hangs from the rafters of heaven. It reigns over everything. It is that why we are more than conquerors. It is that we can say he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And so we are going to celebrate this morning. And look, we have aisles to dance in. We have the front to bow at, to dance in. We have the back. We have space like David. Like David, let's come into God's presence, dancing before the Lord. He is our audience. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to celebrate. He is our banner. Amen. Come on, amen.